It is not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood. This man strives valiantly, and who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. Today is a day to dare greatly. Hey everyone, welcome to Football Sunday 2019. I'm Benjamin Watson, and in a few hours, the largest single sporting event of the year will be played in Atlanta. But in the next few minutes I get to spend with you, you'll hear some amazing and inspirational stories from NFL players and their wives. You'll also hear from some of the men who are playing in today's game. I've been in the league for 15 years, and I played on four different teams. I know these guys. I know that every man on every team has gone all out all year long. Coaches, players, trainers, everyone. And today, they'll take it to another level. This is a game where every player goes all out, and that's because they're all in. And by the end of the day, one team will walk away with the Lombardi Trophy. That reward we worked towards since we were kids with big dreams playing at the local field. It's gonna be a great day, and I'm so glad you've chosen to be here with us, right here, right now. Welcome to Football Sunday 2019. Welcome everybody to Rise Church. So glad that you're here with us at Football Sunday. I saw so much of uh, so many people come in with their jerseys on and of their favorite teams, and surprised that we didn't have more Dallas Cowboy fans here because I thought, you know, we're in Texas, so I thought maybe we'd have some Dallas fans, but I guess uh, we have a lot of different kinds of people. So I'm so happy uh, for our church because I'm not a Dallas fan, but hey, I like you guys, so that's a good thing. I'm not rooting against you, and so man, so happy that everybody's here today. We're so glad, that, especially if you're a guest with us for the very first time. We're doing something a little unique today. We don't normally wear a bunch of jerseys on uh, Sunday morning and uh, talk about football, but we're doing something really what I feel is uh, one of the most effective ways to communicate, and here's why I say that. It's because Jesus did this. Jesus actually taught great lessons inside of all of Scripture, and what he used were stories, or he called them parables. Some, you probably hear that inside of Scripture, but they're called parables, and really they're just stories, and they weren't just stories that were about regular random things. They were stories about local context, local culture context, and he taught them in ways that really meant something to them. And so that's what we're going to do today. That's all we're doing. We're using football as a context uh, that everybody's pretty familiar with. And on a day like today where most people are thinking about football and at least Super Bowl, and some of you might love football in here, some of you might hate football and you're just looking forward to the food. Uh, either way, we're doing something that has to do with football. It's a huge thing in our culture today. And so we're just using that. Um, I always tell people in culture, you have three options. You can receive, reject, or you can redeem. And what we're doing today is we're simply redeeming what, hey, you know what the world's going to use is football and sports. We're going to redeem it for the glory of God. And we're going to talk about that today. And so we're excited for that, uh, for you guys to be here. And uh, to kick us off and get us started, we're going to just introduce you to a couple of uh, some players and some teams that are actually playing in the big game today. So go ahead and check it out right now.
There's a certain electricity, there's a certain energy about LA that I think is different than most parts in the world. Just the atmosphere is, is amazing as well. I mean, you know what they say, it don't rain in Southern California. The fans are absolutely amazing. They always come in full force and they're just screaming as loud as they possibly can. City of just love, just people, family for me. Uh, really just, this is home base. This is where I grew up. LA is awesome. The weather's perfect. You know, the people here are, are very welcoming. I mean, it's such a blessing to be in this position. You know, this is something I've dreamt of since I was a little boy. So to get the opportunity to go play in a Super Bowl, play for the Lombardi Trophy is incredible. Love it up here. Um, you know, this has been an awesome community to be a part of, and uh, you know, the winters are a little tough, though. The area as a whole, I mean, freezing. <laughs> it's cold. I mean, you know, we have great fans, great place to play. Um, not only are we teammates, but we're friends as well. And you see it by, you know, guys really digging into each other's lives. When I first got here, I was super surprised at how many believers in Jesus we have on the team. And it's a blessing to be here. And we're so excited and, and humbled and, and just thankful for having this experience. So we want to try to make the most of it. Johnny Hecker in that video, he said something interesting. He said, from the, from the moment I was a little kid, I've been dreaming about this. He said, from when I was on the field, I would play inside the park. And, and uh, anytime you hear an NFL player talk about that, you know, they're playing at the highest level, but they're playing because they had a, a dream to play about that, really, since they were a kid. And you know what's interesting and unique? Those guys might be, you know, very highly paid, highly skilled athletes. They're not that much different from you and I. Because the truth of the matter is, is that you and I, uh, from a little kid, have had dreams. Think about it. You've dreamt about something you've wanted to do your whole life. You might still be dreaming right now. You might still be in the midst of trying to get to that dream. You could have, uh, at a younger age, you know, I remember growing up, I was, uh, I'd always dreamt of being married to uh, a beautiful woman and, uh, and really just getting married and having a kid. I wanted to have a family. I wanted, I, my dream was funny. I'm young. I I wanted to, from a young age, wanted to be a parent. And, uh, and so some of you in here might be in, your dream right now is to be a mom or to be a dad. Some of you in here right now might have a dream of climbing that corporate ladder. Hey, there's this idea in your mind, something that, that you, you just have had since you were younger and you thought, man, that is my dream. If I could just get the corner office, if I can just get this title, if I can just get this accolade, if I can just get this amount of money, and we all have some level of a dream when it comes to maybe our profession. Some of you in here have always wanted to be married. You know, you're like, man, if I could just get married, you know, I just want to have, stand at the altar one day and look at my wife, my future wife, and just look at her in her eyes and say those magical words I do. Or, you know, you look at that new, you know, Prince Charming that was a frog and, you know, and now he's, you're looking at him and you're like, man, I, one day we're going to get married and all things are going to be okay. Hey, some of you in here are dreaming like, get married, pastor. I just want a date. Some of you in here are, are dreaming to get a date one day, somehow, some way. And, and what's interesting is, is we all, we all have this thing called a dream. We all have this thing called a dream. All of us want to do something in this world. I've been a pastor for many years. I've never met anybody for coffee and sat down with them and I said, hey, you know, tell me your dream. I've never heard them say, here's my dream is to do nothing in life. I want to wake up and do nothing. I'd like to sit at home and waste my life. And I find it interesting that our lives and time is a non-renewable resource, which means this, once it's gone, it's gone. And 
we get that dream and then we start working towards that dream like these guys did. And then I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but we don't live in perfect society. We live in this world that's weird with weird people. Come on, y'all, right? Weird people. They're like, yeah, my neighbor, you know, my, my coworker, the people I drive on the freeway with. They're, they're all weird. And somehow, sometime, here's what I know. Oftentimes we're reaching, moving, walking towards our dream. And then something terrible happens. What do you do when something terrible happens? From his days in high school to playing at an elite college and finally making it to the NFL, Kirk Cousins continues to defy expectations. Kirk is that guy you want in your corner. This is his story. I remember one time in third grade, a, a kid came over as we were just playing catch innocently. He just came over, he said, you really throw the football well. And I said, oh, thanks, man. He said, no, 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 you really throw the football well. And I thought, oh, okay. Played my very first varsity game my junior year of high school. And I knew that this was a big year for recruiting. So I knew that I needed to play well to have a chance to play in college. And in the very first quarter, of the very first game of my very first varsity season, I got hit on my left side and, and broke my ankle. And I remember driving back from the hospital with a cast on my ankle. And there were tears in my eyes and I called my dad and I said, Dad, because I'm gonna miss this season, it means that I can't play in college. The dream is over, if you will, to play in college. And my dad said, Kirk, you don't know that. Uh, think of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your steps. At that moment, as a 17-year-old junior in high school, I made Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 my life verse. And um, from that moment on, said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trust him and let him sort out the rest. A year and a half ago, I said it would be impossible to play college football. And now I'm signing a full scholarship to have college paid for to play for a school that would have been my dream school all along. You know, that was only the beginning. And yet at that time, I thought that alone uh, teaches me what it means to walk by faith and how big God is. And yet God said, Kirk, I, I haven't done anything yet. I'm going to take you on a journey here. Just keep trusting me. The night before the draft, my dad sat our family down and he read from 1 Samuel 16, where David is anointed king. And he said, this passage has the feel of a draft because Samuel goes to the home of Jesse and he says, bring out your sons from your sons will be the next king. Well, he goes through the, the first and he says, surely this must be the one. I mean, he looks the part. And the, the Lord spoke to Samuel and said, no, he's not the one. And then he goes through each one and he goes through seven. And the Lord says no to all of them. And so Samuel says to Jesse, do you have any other sons? Because the Lord said the seven you brought to me are not it. He said, well, I have one more, David. He's out in the field. I didn't even think he was in the running. So David, he said, bring him. So David's brought before Samuel. Samuel sees him and the Lord says, that's the one. And my dad's point to me was, Kirk, there's a lot of outward appearance looking going on right now around the NFL with the draft. And there will be going forward. Ultimately, as you've seen through your upbringing, the Lord directs your steps. The Lord has his hand on your life and the Lord is not looking at the outward appearance. The Lord is looking at the heart.
my dad came over and he said, Kirk, do you know what number quarterback you were? And I said, no, I, I don't. I said, I know there's usually 10 or 11 that get picked in the draft every year. He said, you were the eighth quarterback. He said, we read 1 Samuel 16 two nights ago, and David was the eighth son of Jesse. He said, I think the Lord is speaking to you. He's saying, Kirk, I have my hand on your life. When you fly to Washington, just trust me that I've got the next year, two, three, four, whatever it may be, under my control. probably had more where are you God moments than I have had the moments where I know he's near. But I look back and I see he's faithful and he knows what he's doing and he gives us just enough. I want to see lives changed for the kingdom and I want as many people as possible to come to know the hope of the gospel, but also not only to come to know Jesus through the gospel, but then to make him Lord of their life and to see what I've seen in terms of decades of the Lord's hand guiding a life. And that's a journey that we're all on and we're all in different places on that journey. But um, that's what I want my life to be about. If we're not careful, we can view our lives through our own understanding of things. But God invites us to something better. He invites us into a life that doesn't always make sense and to trust Him in the middle of it anyway. You may be in the middle of a circumstance that doesn't make any sense to you at all, but Kirk's story, along with stories told and retold through the pages of Scripture, all point to a God who is working out a plan in us, through us, for His glory. And our invitation is to simply trust in Him as the author of our stories and then to watch him create the results for everything that happens in every area of our lives. Trust him. In the light, in the dark, he's got you, guaranteed. I think one of the things I like about that story is, I wanna go back, cause he kind of, Kirk kind of talked about it quick, but you have to think about, okay, so something that he dreamt of his whole life, he's about to make big steps towards attaining his dream in junior, his junior year of high school, and he breaks his ankle. The question, one of the questions that comes from that story for me is, what do you do when you're on your journey towards your dream and something breaks? It's not, it doesn't set us apart to have a dream. We all typically have dreams. We talked about that. Every one of us dream of doing something great. But what's different between those who make it and those who break it are really those who what they do after something breaks inside their dream what do you do kirk broke his ankle and what do you do when you're moving towards your dream and something breaks i love the scripture they use proverbs 3 and that his dad spoke over him and said trust in the lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways submit to him and he will make everybody say make he will make your paths straight lean uh, in the, the, the Hebrew there is sha'ah. It actually means to, to lean or prop up. It means to prop up. Like don't prop up your life on the things that you see because when something breaks, then not just that thing breaks, 
your whole life breaks down. Have you ever met anybody who's had that happen? They've had a situation, they've had a story, they're moving towards their dream, you thought they were doing great, and then something broke, and their whole life, not just that thing broke, but their whole life broke. And the Bible talks about when something breaks in your life, the answer to that question is simply this. When something breaks, we look past what broke, we look past what breaks to the God that makes. Proverb actually says, he will make your paths straight. Eventually, you and I, when something breaks in our life on our path towards our dream, you and I are going to have to look past it to the God who makes our path straight, to the God who can do anything. You in here might, in your pursuit of your dream, maybe it didn't look the way that you thought it would look. Someone, something came in the path and it broke. And the difference between your dream breaking and just that situation breaking is your perspective on it. Come on. You have to be able to look past it and go, God, I know that what I see makes no sense. My ankle is broken. My dream is shattered. It seems like I'm not going to make my dream of making the NFL or whatever it was in your life. But God, you can do anything because you are the God who created everything. The second question that came up in that, that story for me was, what do you do when something in your life is overlooked or rejected? What do you do when you feel, you yourself feel like you are rejected, when you are overlooked in your path towards your dream? The story of Kirk being passed over in the draft. And he was passed over, not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six. I'm sounding like LeBron James, like not seven. But, but he gets to the eighth spot and all of a sudden now he's good enough to be picked. When it's your dream and you're standing in the draft and you're not getting picked, come on, it's like the worst kickball moment inside of all class. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Y'all remember when you would, you would, as kids, you'd break up into two groups and then, you know, the two, you have two captains, they stand up and then you have everybody along the wall. It's like, no wonder everybody's messed up. Everybody had to go through kickball class. I don't know about you, but I was never picked first. Anybody else? Anybody? I mean, like, I was never picked first. I was a little chunky. I was a little slow. I was a little, I was, you know, I'm like, I can do it, guys. And I never got picked first. And that rejection can sit with you on your path towards your dream. The rejection can sit and stay with you. But First Samuel, that story he talks about when David got overlooked and rejected by the people that knew him the best, his family. Now, come on, none of y'all ever felt that before, right? Being rejected by your own family. Not in here, other churches, right? But he felt rejected, he felt overlooked. And it was 15 years between the time he was picked by Samuel and he was actually a appointed king. So 15 years happens between that and that happened. What does that teach us? That teaches us, like Kirk did, that the answer to the question, what do you do when you felt like you were rejected or overlooked is you stay faithful in your heart and allow God to appoint you. You stay faithful in your heart and allow God to appoint you because God sees your heart. I've noticed that my boss don't see my heart. Does your boss see your heart? No, he don't see your, he don't see your heart. I've noticed that you know, inside of our lives and relationships, most people don't see your heart. Nobody's a cardiologist. I don't, nobody, we don't get to see each other's hearts, but we see each other's hands. And so as God is seeing that, and as you might being rejected, as you might being overlooked, you, you need to, the question to, to the answer. The answer to the question is simply stay faithful. 
So you didn't get picked for that promotion and that corner office. Stay faithful. So that lady, that girl that you asked that you thought was so cute and you asked her out and she said, uh, I'm washing my hair. <laughs> Sorry. What do you do? You, you stay, come on, you stay faithful. You didn't get picked for that college that you applied to, that you really wanted to go to. You stay faithful. Your kids didn't make the right decision even though you raised them the right way. Come on, come on. You, you, your, your dream's not being coming a reality yet. You, you stay faithful. And when you stay faithful to the things in your heart, then God who appoints, come on, God who can do anything, God can, who can move mountains, who can really adjust some things in your life. If you're faithful in your heart, if you're faithful to the things that God sees, then God is faithful to the thing that man sees. That's really the, the story of Kirk. That's the story of David. And that can be the story of who you are. And you in your pursuit of your dream. The Lord is looking. Why? Because the Lord is looking at your heart. You stay faithful. You don't give up. Yes, you were rejected. Yes, you were overlooked. But you stay faithful to what God has asked you to do. To be the woman and the man that God has asked you to be. To be the faithful, fully devoted follower of Christ that God has asked you to be. And watch God move heaven and earth on your behalf. So, what the world sees as rejection, God can use as appointment. What the world sees is you as a rejected person, as an overlooked person, God can use to appoint you. As we wrap up today, I wanted to show you just a little bit, maybe a few of the players of how they've established and used God inside of their life to attain their biggest dream and getting to the ultimate prize of being an NFL football player. Check this out. We've seen God do some tremendous work in the lives of our families, and they're loving their wives, they're loving their children, and they're being good men, both on and off the field. I think God is just my everything. He's been my crutch to lean on so many times when things are going bad, uh, but I think that constantly refocusing on Him is what's allowing me to continue to be on the straight and narrow and, and continue to be successful on this team. I'm a sinner, um, but at the end of the day, His grace is, is so sufficient um, in my life, and it has been, and not just in my life, but my family's life. I think God in, in my season of life right now is, uh, you know, he's done some heavy work in my life the last couple of years and helped me kind of discover who I am on a deeper level and, and as a man of God and as a father, as a husband. These days I'm discovering God to be uh, really my, my provider, my protector, my healer. It's just amazing the work that, he, that he's doing in my life and my family's life. This year I performed my ACL and so that obviously put into the season, but um, being able to every day work towards finding that, that joy in life that um, only comes from the Spirit. There's, there's growth happening. Nothing in the NFL is promised. So waking up with the faith every day that God is in control, that He loves you, and that He's gonna take care of you no matter what, it gives you a peace of mind to, to operate on a daily basis. We try to do what we can by leading by example and hopefully building relationships. Therefore, we're able to feed into the guys' lives and do the best we can just for the kingdom of God. What goes on here that's so special is the brotherhood in this locker room. You know, we've, we've got a lot of men in this locker room that are truly invested in uh, the relational side of things. There's no better group of guys I think that I could, you know, be on a team with than right here. Our culture here in New England is better because of the kind of men Bill and Robert have brought into our building. 
and the way that they've impacted societies and churches, and they don't leave anyone the same way. Everything that we do is for Jesus, and um, he, he's everything. Everything that we do on the field, everything that we do with our families, everything that we do out there in the practice field is uh, we try to do for his glory. You know, it's hard sometimes in this sport. You lean on your own understanding a little bit, and, uh, I you know, think you've got it all figured out and all under control, and that's not really the case. Before I came to Christ, I was living so much for myself, and uh, that's something that I continue to work on every single day. I'm not perfect, none of us are. I've definitely seen you know, shifts um, work in my life, and that's all through knowing Him and having the Holy Spirit work through me. God's my everything. I mean, I'm in this position because of Him. You thank Him daily, wake up every morning, and I mean, that's the first thing I do just because, I mean, none of this is possible without Him. He's proven Himself to be so faithful this year. He's grown marriages, families, relationships, and that's so much more exciting than, than football going to the Super Bowl, even though we'll take that. But, uh, um, man, He's been really faithful this year. I was watching two weeks ago I was watching the NFC Championship game, and it was against the Saints and the Rams. And if you're a football fan, you probably watched it in horror, as I did. And, uh, and uh, while well, I was so, you know, if you didn't watch or you didn't know what happened, it was interesting because um, at the end of the game, you know, there was a call that happened and, and uh, you know, play happened, and then the referees, uh, you know, most people felt like they should have thrown a flag and it didn't happen. And, you know, I, I wind up having like stomach issues for three days after that. And, uh, you know, I wasn't, a, I wasn't as Christian as I wanted to be. But um, I was thinking about that because, you know, what's interesting about the, the, the game football is there's different players inside of the game. There's different teams. There's different personnel. You know, you got your referees and you got your commentators and you have your uh, – you know, you got concessions. Everything that comes into doing a game, there's a lot. There's parking people. There's, you know, there's ushers and there's security. And uh, it was interesting. I heard a, a quote the other day about that game, and it got me thinking. And the quote said, it said, listen, no matter what happened and whatever anybody thinks, whatever the referee says stands kind of the way that it goes. I was thinking about that for a minute. And I, I was just kind of contemplating what the truth of that, and the truth is, is he, they're absolutely right. Nothing I could do as a fan could change it. Nothing the commentators could say could change it. Nobody in the parking lot's going to walk up and go, no, we need to replay the game or replay the play. And then I got to thinking about our life a little bit. And you and I, were in a bit of a, a game, if you would say to, that's kind of the case, especially in life. We're all trying to win at something. We're all trying to win at the game of life. And I've noticed that we have an enemy. You and I, the Bible says, has an opposition. There is an enemy out there. And listen, he doesn't look like what cartoons would depict him looking like. He's not running around with a pitchfork and with red horns, he's very real and very prominent in our lives. And you and I are in a battle for our very spiritual life. And our winning, the game of life matters. And I was reading something in Isaiah chapter 53. And I wanted to 
show it to you. And this is what it says. It says, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes, everybody say stripes. Come on, like you mean it, say stripes. By his stripes, we are healed. Isaiah 53, prophet foretelling the coming of Jesus Christ. And I was thinking about, man, being in this world, you and I are going to get hit. You can't play the game without getting hit. Can't be in life without getting hit. Can't play, can't be on the field, can't be in the game. You're not going to win without getting hit. Sometimes you're going to get hit. There's going to be a play that doesn't go your way. But I noticed that just like the NFL, I don't know if you noticed this, but one time a ref will go under the hood and he'll review the play and he'll come back out. And he'll say, upon further review, that play you tried, your life that you tried, you did the best you could and it was incomplete. But what's so interesting is that the referee has the opportunity to walk on the field and say, upon further review, I looked at it again, and since I got all the authority, actually you win. Actually, touchdown. Because the only opinion that matters in the game of football is the person with the stripes. So much of us in life, you, know, you ran the best route you could. You went for the touchdown and it was incomplete. And you feel like you were overlooked and you were rejected. Something broke. And all the people in the world are chirping at you, telling you, you, you could have did this and you could have done that and all this stuff. And guess what? None of them opinion matters. All the people that, you know, want to talk about they're really big fans of you and then all of a sudden you lose and they ain't around. You ever had that happen before? Hey, well, their opinion don't matter. Hey, all the opposition that you got coming up and they're walking up telling you, see, I knew you weren't going to do it. I hit you right before you got that ball. And all that stuff really kind of doesn't matter because at the end of the day, the person with the stripes, what they had to say really matters. What Jesus has to say about you and your life is the only thing that matters. By, by His stripes, you're not a loser. It's not incomplete. You're not a failure. And it doesn't matter what anybody says. God said you win. God says it's complete. So I'm begging you, if you don't have Jesus in your life, if he's not the one calling your game, on your behalf, I'm begging you, accept him today. I believe in my heart 
that you'll have a better life and you'll be better at life with him in it.